Hey there. Thanks for another week of tuning in to Square One. It's been really awesome receiving feedback from everyone who's been listening to the first few episodes. I love producing content that is valuable and provocative and I'm really excited to continue showing the world that I've been living in for three years through the eyes of people who are actually building in this space and and developing it. And at the same time, creating some content that allows for others to kind of enter the space like we produced last week. The current order of these two different types of content tracks will be intro tracks and then deep dives. I've actually separated them into two different seasons and hopefully that helps with the organization. If it is confusing, please send feedback and let me know and I can reorder it relatively easily. This week we're talking to Jordan Ellis. Jordan is a really phenomenal builder in the space. So he, he, I mean, he's very humble, but his background is coming from Microsoft Xbox game design. And after learning about open source technology and smart contracts, he decided that the idea of building in an open source way with his friends facilitated all via cryptocurrency and uh, utilizing this idea of a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. That's what he wanted to spend his life doing and dedicating his time to. Jordan's been extremely valuable within the DAO space. He's coming from the DAO stack side of the ecosystem. For those who are unaware, there's a few different types of DAO frameworks available today. And these frameworks are essentially different iterations of systems for voting and distributing resources within a community of participants. They all have different reputation systems and different mechanisms for voting. There's quite a complexity of voting opportunities there. And this is a topic too that I am particularly interested in. The content might lay a little heavy on the technical side this week, but I'm really excited to share. And I think Jordan's story is a very unique perspective on one path for how you can build in this space. He's definitely on the more developer engineering level, but it's, it's a really fun, it's a really fun and impressive experience he's had and will continue to have. And the systems that he's building with, within some of these organizations that he's, that he's working in, specifically within Dorg, are some of the more sophisticated DAO operating systems that have been implemented available today. Without further ado, welcome to the next episode of Square One, and I hope you enjoy. 
welcome to Square One, a place to deepen your crypto knowledge. I'm your host, James Duncan. Hey everybody, how's it going? I'm here with Jordan Ellis, and uh, Jordan is a a a friend who um, is also just like an all-star builder within this ecosystem. Um, and I'm really excited to have him on to talk a bit about his experience uh, creating a decentralized dev shop as well as um, just, you know, working within DAOs in general. Uh, Jordan, do you, do you mind just giving a bit of your background? Yeah, thanks for the, for the glowing introduction, making me blush. Um, yeah, so, so I started off just as a, as a dev. Um, I used to work on games and I worked at Microsoft for a little bit and that was a fun experience. Um, and through that, through that, I found out about smart contracts and I got really interested in, um, you know, trying to run a software company that's, you know, fully open source and run on the internet and, you know, global um, and follows a lot of like the open source best practices because I think that they far and exceed um, what a lot of the closed source, um, you know, big tech best practices are. And so I think that, um, you know, that got me thinking about like this, like, you know, smart contract based dev shop. And then through that, I figured out like, okay, DAOs are actually a thing. Like that's, that's a term. Um, yeah. And then from there, like got involved with like a few hackathons or just one uh, hackathon in particular, which was the colony hackathon. That was awesome. And then wanted to start, um, building tools for decentralized organizations. And so that's where Dior came from. It, uh, it started off just really simple. Um, and then I, I can talk more about the, the ins and outs of how it actually got going. Uh, I got super lucky and linked up with some really, really bright and very uh, ambitious and really pragmatic thinkers. And through that, we created this, this New York dev shop, which um, has like blown up and is way bigger than myself or any of the other people that had started it. So um, really excited to still be involved with that. Um, and what we do there is we just build products uh, for clients. So we're, we're a consulting contracting shop. And through that, we've gotten a ton of experience and enough experience to where we've been able to identify different um, holes that exist in developer tooling that um, is currently available. So from that, um, we decided to spin up uh, a new project with a bunch of other people called, uh, the, the project is called Web3 API and it aims to basically solve like a new problem that we've identified with um, integrating Web3 protocols into applications. So, and we're, we're doing that all, you know, DAO centric. It's, um, it's, you know, deployed as a DAO and it's being stewarded by a DAO and it's, it's growing and growing and gaining more uh, stakeholders. And so we're, we're trying to create this like user governed infrastructure. So, you know, like we, we started with like the, the developer governed dev shop. And um, now, you know, what I spend most of my time on is this, uh, user slash developer governed um, DAO for tooling. So yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's like there's so much density in, in everything that you just said there too, um, and a few different, um, yeah, a few different points that I'd love to just get uh, dig into a little bit more. I think the first actually to bring it back to like uh, your first comment about your enthusiasm for open source frameworks and development. Why do you see that as superior or why, why does that excite you? What, like what, you know, what about open source excites you? Yeah. So I, I think that a lot of projects live and die in, you know, the, the silo of an organization. Um, 
And so for it, for example, like I used to work on developer tools for um, Xbox and there was a lot of really great work going on there. Um, but a lot of our users, which were the, you know, the developers at um, these different uh, game studios, they really wanted access to the tools because um, they weren't working the way they wanted them to. They wanted to maybe make optimizations to them. And so instead of giving them source code access, we would, you know, try and squash or, or handle all these different use case specific issues that um, they might need. And it'd be a lot faster for them to just be able to fork and, and modify. And so, you know, like I, I saw this first in the games world and, um, you know, like this, this problem existed within like the game console world, which is like a highly competitive world. And there's reasons for keeping things closed source. Um, but, you know, like since uh, I think like, you know, the early 2000s, it's become pretty standard for these game engines that people use to build games with um, to be open source. I, I think it actually happened in like 2010 or something where um, uh, Un, Unreal, Engine, uh, Unreal Engine decided to go fully open source. And it was really exciting to see um, all the developers that flocked to it and that were making like very tangible contributions to it. And it, the feature set just completely uh, exploded. And it was amazing. And um, that was something that I was very interested in. And yeah, like I, I just really wasn't very interested in um, creating something that the world could never really see or get their hands on because I think that stifles innovation. It um, creates like needless competition when there could be a lot of collaboration. Um, and I think that it just, it, it, it hinders learning. It, it, it hinders people just like trying to do what they're trying to do. So um, yeah, like I, I really fell in love with like the open source game engine model. And then um, once I got into smart contracts and made my way into actually working on like full stack web projects, um, I had noticed that, oh, this whole space works like this and it's wonderful. Um, and especially in the blockchain space. So um, that was something that was really interesting to me. And I had always been aware of like the flaws in the open source model where, you know, like the first question that people ask is like, how do you even monetize this stuff? Like, how do these developers get paid for working on all these different open source projects? And that's still very much a problem today. Um, but lots of projects are trying to present solutions to that. And so the solution that I wanted to try and um, build for that was uh, this um, open source developing DAO, which um, could somehow figure out ways to do revenue sharing for the various products they built. Um, I was very interested initially in doing something similar to what SourceCred is doing, where um, you could basically like um, uh, aggregate all the contributions and, and, and then basically distribute um, all of the dividends, I guess you could say, from the products proportionally. And so that was very interesting to me initially. And so, yeah, just trying to think of different ways to, to fund open source developers working on cool things that benefit everybody. Um, and, uh, you know, through that, got into DAOs and um, also kind of fell in love with this whole concept of like anti-rivalrous uh, organizations, which was something that in the DAO stack space they were talking a lot about initially. Um, and yeah, like these really symbiotic relationships between organizations, like that was very, very interesting to me. Um, because, yeah, like I didn't feel like I was special in any way, but yet, um, you know, I got granted this opportunity to work um, at this big tech company and get paid all this money and work on this like tech. And meanwhile, there's tons of other developers that could do exactly what I was doing and do it better um, or, you know, think more, uh, think more innovatively about it and present different solutions. And so, um, yeah, it was just really frustrating. And I just felt like, 
if we keep going this way, like it's just going to lead to all these subpar things, which is what we have a lot of today is like a lot of subpar shit. And I think that through the open source model, like you can really find the best of the best and, you know, water just kind of flows downhill from there. So hmm. that's, I love that. I think that, um, that makes a lot of sense. And it's mainly about sort of collaboration and innovation to, to me is, or the two maybe primary, uh, points that you feel like open source allows to, you know, opens up the, the floodgates for more or less. Yeah, definitely. So what, and how did, how did smart contracts hit your radar? Was that from working within Microsoft and there was like a, a smart contract team or something? No. Yeah. So strangely enough, like it was actually very taboo to talk, to, to talk about blockchain. Um, like <laughs> I, I, I remember when like the 2017 bubble hit and I, I was already privy to it and I, I knew what was up. And a lot of people, like when it was happening, it was very common talk to talk about it. And, you know, I just remember coming into meetings and like um, people were just bantering and they'd be like just laughing about blockchain and cryptocurrencies. Like, oh, it's all like, um, you know, like I want my money that uh, is, is stable and it doesn't um, fluctuate crazy. Like, you know, all these crypto markets, like you can pump and dump them and they're they're, they're so, uh, so er- erratic. And I remember like uh, saying, uh, a remark to that statement being like, what do you define as stable money? Like, <laughs> cause, cause they were saying, you know, the U S dollar is stable money. And so anyway, like it's, um, it's, it's, it's funny shit like that. And then, um, but, but to answer your question, like, how did I find out about it? I had a friend that I grew up with where he was really into, um, Linux and, um, open source stuff. And I went back home one, um, summer to go visit and I hung out with him and, I, we, we were on a train ride together and he told me about smart contracts and it just like blew my mind. And this whole concept of like, uh, you know, blockchain isn't just for like Bitcoin. Um, it can be used for just arbitrary code and it can be trustlessly executed and you can program anything into it. And then my mind just kind of lit up and I kind of couldn't get rid of the thought. And so, yeah, it, it, it took me a little bit to actually take action on it. I remember I listened to an audiobook on blockchain and it talked all about the different use cases and that just lit up my mind even more and did lots of reading in my free time and checking out all the articles online. And finally, um, like I, I was already working on a side project cause I've, I've always been kind of like a, a person that wanted to not have a nine to five and, and not be reliant on a paycheck from someone else. So like I was already working on like a project with a good friend of mine where we were building uh, game developer tools and the colony hackathon came around and so that was like this beacon of light where it's like oh colony like they're the doubt project that i heard about like they're doing a hackathon like i want to try and build a doubt and um and so was that in berlin no yeah it was all online okay yeah and um and so that was like the coolest thing to me of like this open invitation to come and build and um for someone that was just looking for an excuse to try it out um it was the perfect opportunity and so I remember I like called him up and I'm like, Hey dude, there's this thing happening. I, I know I've been talking to you about DAOs a lot and I've been trying to like, you know, get you to understand that I, I just have to work on this and I'm, I don't think I can dedicate my free time to our project anymore. And he's like, nah, dude, like feel free, go, uh, go and go and do you. So that was really cool. And then, yeah, did that hackathon, um, and met a lot of cool people through the internet. Um, one particular person, which was like the the first person to like really latch onto this whole idea of Dwork was this um, guy named uh, uh, Osger, and he lived out in Norway. Um, he's the nicest man you'll ever meet, 
and he had a great family and he was just like really into crypto and a really great developer. And so um, after the hackathon, we like wanted to continue it. And uh, so we, we hopped on a call and started talking about it. And we decided to like try and start up this thing. Um, this is probably TMI, but I'm just going to keep going because it's fun. No, this is great. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, we wanted to call it Dorg because like um, we thought that the term DAO was just very weird and very foreign to people. Mm -hmm. And um, f for me, like coming into it completely new, it took me forever to even find that term through my searches on the internet. And so, um, you know, like I didn't think it was something that could catch on. So like we came up with like Dorg maybe, you know, could be something that like people think of as decentralized organizations, or it could also mean digital um, uh, or digital organizations. Um, and so, uh, or even distributed, um, organizations. Mm -hmm. And so, um, that was where the name came from. And then we kind of spun our wheels for a while, just trying to build like custom products, um, for, for DAOs that didn't even exist yet. And so we were trying to build the tools for the people that didn't exist. And, um, it, it, a, another big shining light that like helped us out a ton was for DAO stack, like. One of the amazing things I think they did was they set up this uh, uh, community DAO called Genesis DAO, which I know that you were also a member of. And um, and their developer relations person at the time saw that we had forked their code base, and they were like, "Hey, like you know, um, come and join our DAO, and you can get paid to to build cool stuff on DAO Stack." And so that was the next step. Was like after the hackathon, after we like figured out what we wanted to do, it was like, "All right, we found a community that will actually fund us to do things for them." Um, mm -hmm. and so we started building some tools, but it was still kind of spinning our wheels. And then, uh, we actually went to, um, uh, ETH, uh, Prague when it, when it was in Prague, I think it was like five or four or something, um, for, for DevCon and the Genesis DAO had a meetup. And so that was the craziest experience to meet all these random faces that you've seen on Telegram, um, in a room together, drinking beer. And <laughs> and talking about crypto and DAOs and stuff, and then there I ended up meeting Ori, and so Ori was like the biggest instrumental piece to Dior because like he's just a, a powerhouse at whatever he does, and he's he's a very intelligent person, very put together, and um, he basically you know kind of catalyzed what we see Dior guys today, where it's this um, dev shop, basically saying that like. Um, it all kind of started where he was going to Israel and he's like, Hey, I'm going to Israel. I should uh, hit it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit up Matan to see if, uh, to see if we can meet and talk about Dior stuff. And so then as soon as Matan, who was the CEO of DowStack, found out that there was a group of developers trying to build on DowStack, he's like, yes, yes. Like all the way, like I, I want to help you guys. And so um, we stood up like this partnership with them where we would build, like work on development work that they were you know, too busy to work on. And then slowly it shifted into uh, a dev shop relationship where they would have clients coming to them for custom DAOs that they didn't have time to build. And so they would send them to Dior, which is their like, you know, spin-off dev shop. And so, and, and that was where like Ori was like, this is, this is what we need to do. Like we're not making a lot of traction doing these custom apps that like very little people are, are using. The space isn't even there yet. You know, like the users aren't even there. Um, we just need to help the projects that have already raised these gobs of funds in the 2017 bubble. And we need to um, 
basically work with them and, and help them build because they're work, it's like they're all looking for developers. And we can still run it as a DAO. We can still like you know um, create tools for DAOs, which will be ourselves because we're going to be the, the ones operating the DAO and needing our own tools. Um, but our primary source of income is going to be these contracting gigs. And so that's kind of how Dwork formed into this dev shop. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was a really interesting like tr like transpiring of events. Um, and then sad, sad, sadly to say, the the character that I brought in at the, uh, at the beginning, Oscar, um, he, he ended up taking a, a really awesome um, data science job at like a bank, I think, in Norway, because um, it was just like really great pay and he couldn't turn it down for his family. So he ended up going and doing that. Um, but yeah, like I'm very thankful for him and then all the other people that we ran into along the way and like and also for all the people that are at Dior right now, because like it's grown into just this emergent ecosystem that's like just running itself. It's it's really cool. It's so cool. No, I think Dior. Um, to me, there's 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 maybe three examples, and I'm sure that I'm missing some because there's a lot. The space yeah. is is relatively big, you know. But like uh, to me, Dior, One Hive, Raid Guild, like. These kinds of decentralized dev shops. Am I missing any from that from that list? But those are the three that really are like these are the decentralized dev shops that I'm I'm really aware of yeah. that that have traction and, and build stuff. Yeah, you know, and and and, the, and there's also a, a LexDAO, which is a decentralized lawyer. Yes, totally. Yep. And then there's LexDAO, and then and I mean, there's also like all of these forks and shards of the Meta Cartel. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, I mean, there's a whole like tree of of ecosystems around yeah, that, and, and, that, and, and, um, that and, and initiative and, and that was another mm -hmm. blow up moment was when uh like we were doing our thing in the corner and then all of a sudden like uh uh all of a sudden meta cartel just like blew up in the floodgates and we're like we're doing this thing like who wants in and then everybody started flocking in and like i remember when you guys had that event at uh berlin for um for i think it was like dapcon or something the demo day. Yeah, it was crazy to see yeah. that many people interested in DAOs in a single room. Like that was awesome. Um, and so yeah, like it all just kind of spiraled out from there. And like that—that's the cool thing about this ecosystem is like uh, all these different communities are trying to do vaguely the same thing, and they all can benefit from each other. And there's lots of cross pollination. And like we we right now are working with One Hive on some things for like the 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 Aragon project and like uh, a, a bunch of other cross pollinations. And like yeah. It's really cool. That's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I also think that it's, um, you know, I think, I think that, well, I think that the way that you guys have structured yourselves, you may be one of the more, um, I mean, despite, you know, MetaCartel really capturing crypto Twitter, I think, mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, like what you guys have done is create really high fidelity, uh, uh, revenue and like payment structures and systems internally right. that I, I see as being relatively sophisticated in, in comparison to the rest of the of the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought you were going to say that Dior has, has uh, captured crypto Twitter, which we definitely have not, but like definitely oh, yeah, no. Meta Cartel has for sure. And, um, oh, and, yeah. and to speak a little bit about that, like we we very much early on decided to spend our efforts on the things that we wanted to, and and we knew that there was only uh, only a finite amount of time and effort that we had. So, um, 
we, we initially wanted to create like a Twitter and we're like, okay, you know, let's come up with like a campaign or whatever. Like how, how are we going to like run this account? And we very quickly decided like, screw that. Um, you know, like we're going to walk silently with a big stick, I think is the saying or something like that. Like, you know, do more than we speak. Um, and, you know, like we're, we're just now starting to like do some Twitter stuff because um, we have folks in New York that are really interested in that. But um, for a long time, it was very little outward talking and it was all just like, all right, let, let's connect with this client because we got, you know, referred to them by someone else. All right, let's let, let's do great work for them. Um, and all the while, like we're trying to figure out how to even run ourselves. So like we've gone through, I think, like five different iterations of how to do, um, you know, like project planning and, and budgeting and um, like, yeah, just the internal operations of a dev shop in the most decentralized way we can um and so yeah like that that i think is kind of our biggest output and we've we've talked with lots of other people to share our findings which has been really great um because i think that we've been able to help um others kickstart their own uh ecosystems as well through that um and i don't think we're done like we're we're nowhere close to done like there's still lots of problems with how we do things but um yeah it's 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 slowly Slowly, we're figuring out what 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 works best. Yeah, that's great. Is it? I mean, I and yeah, I agree. I think that is the thing that you all have come up with that is specifically unique. And I I think because you all did keep to a relatively, at least from my perspective, tight knit group. Yeah, yeah. Who was focused on governance within the you know ten to twenty who are working within that group. Um, and, and ensuring that everyone was kind of heard and, and participating in, in a relatively uh, uh, unanimous or, or uh, equ equitable or equanimous, equanimous way, um, that you've, you've really come up with a system. And I, I'm, I guess my cur I, I'm curious, to what extent have you created documentation for that system? And also is it scalable? Do you see that as being like, how scalable is it? Right. Because, because for, you know, for the meta cartel in a lot of ways, they've come with this like large, they've come from the Moloch side of the, of the DAO space, right. Where they're, they're raising funds for grants for, for projects. And a big part of that granting process is the signal of the meta cartel. And so having that big Twitter presence is really important. Right. But then for you guys being a specifically a dev shop that's really focused on building high quality products, it's about the process of um, ensuring client relations are, are, are steady and, and you know, high, you know, fine tuned and then ensuring that the products that you're delivering are, are amazing and, and ensuring the people that are working are, are being heard and, and um, compensated accordingly, right. which all of that is I mean, to some extent, it's hard for a centralized organization to do, although it's, it might be a little easier. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm curious what, you know, to what extent do you think the system that you all have come up with is scalable and, um, and, and, and to what extent is it documented? Because I know it's always in flux, more or less, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so, so first off, as far as the documentation, um, you can view like all of the docs we have on this process um, uh, publicly at the docs.dork.tech uh, domain. And so there we, we just have a Git book that describes like very, very simply, um, you know, like uh, why we exist, um, how we want to operate, and then how to join. 
and then you know like how we actually uh, pay each other how we bring on new clients um and so yeah like there's there's really j just like two input funnels of the system right like there's the clients that come in um and then there are the builders that come in and so as far as the clients go like we we have a payment structure set up where we can have salespeople go and and talk to clients and and uh basically uh initiate the proposal process of a new project um and so there's a, a, a commission for those salespeople that that work on that um and so yeah like we we call those uh, uh project leads and um then as far as the the builder intake funnel we have um just a very simple activation challenge is what we call it um, where you can go and, and do a little one day hackathon, just like anything that you want um, relating to DAOs or like relating to the Web3 space in general. And you just propose that to the, uh, to the DORG DAO. And if, you know, all the DORG members vote on it and they vote you in, then you're in and you get added to the private channels and you can hop on client projects if you'd like to. Um, and so like th those are the two uh, intake funnels. And it's it's also important to note that we we, we just recently added um, we we also have a repository for uh, uh, DSPs which are Dorg um, or or sorry DIPs I think it's it's a Dorg improvement mm -hmm. proposal um, and we we just recently passed one where we added a, um, a commission for people who, who uh, bring in builders so. Um, if I bring in a builder and, and he starts working on great projects and is starting to, to, to earn a lot, um, I will get 5% of whatever he makes, not from his paycheck, but from the DAO's uh, treasury. And so, um, and it's, it's up to, I, I think like 10% on 50K. So in, in total, I can get like 5K for bringing in a new builder. Um, and so we can leverage these percentages based on what we need more of. So if we need more builders, you know, like we can hike up that uh, co commission percentage, or if we need more projects, we can hike that up. Um, and so that's th those are the kind of uh, input funnels into the system. Um, I'll talk about in a second, like all the things in between, like how do we organize projects? Um, and then the last like output funnel is actually people getting paid. So um all of that happens through you know payments through our DAO. um they're all uh they're all proposals on the DAO, and um we we do uh internal budgeting which that's kind of like the the middle piece which i'll talk about in a second and then um yeah like it's it's a group of builders working together on a project so like for for example um let's say that uh compound came in and they said hey do you really want you to build this um, if I had free time, I would raise my hand saying, hey, I would love to do the smart contracts. Um, you know, like three other people may say, I will do this part, I'll do this part. And we, we kind of like naturally try to form a well-rounded group around what the needs are. Um, and then, you know, we, we work on the project. We, we, before that, get a proposal passed for what the payment of, of the project is. So let's say like uh, 30K for, you know, like um, two weeks or three weeks or something like that. Um, and then we all work on the project together, uh, executing on the deliverables. Um, and then when it comes time to get paid, we typically have like uh, a person on the project that is a facilitator. And so this basically helps with client relations so that the client has a single point of contact. 
and they're not, you know, trying to address like this, like, you know, multifaceted group of developers trying to figure out which one should I talk to? They can just go to the source lead is kind of like their, their main point of contact. And then also the source lead kind of handles the operational side of things, like uh, making sure the budget is up to date, making sure that everyone has logged their hours, um, making sure that everyone's happy, and then actually making those proposals on the DAO, because that does take a little bit of time. So if you're a builder, like you can join up on projects and hopefully a lot of the kind of uh, uh, things that aren't building when it comes to working on a, a consulting gig, you don't have to worry about because um, we have people that specialize in that. And so, you know, like a, a lot of freelancers who used to be independent contractors, they say that they like working at Dewar a lot more because, yeah, they, they have to worry about less. Um, they, they can just do what they do best and also find cooler projects because they're not just kind of soliciting uh, projects on their own as their own face. You know, like we um, we very much utilize like the group's uh, shared um, uh, shared front for both like uh, uh, reputation purposes and then also for like um, co collective uh, uh, bargaining purposes. So that that way, you know, like it's not really a race to the bottom as far as like uh, uh, contractors goes, you know, like we can still maintain like a, 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 a high rate. Um, and whether you've been a contractor for like a year or whether you've been a contractor for like 10 years, you know, like you can share in that benefit. Um, and so, Anyway, uh, kind of talked in circles, but those cool. are the different no, funnels. No, this is great. Yeah. That's really cool. Is it, and I love that you can adjust the incentives in order to fit the needs of the organization for recruiting, for instance. Right. I think that's really, really innovative. I haven't heard of another team doing something like that. Um, what contracts are you using? Are you using a DAO stack framework still, or is it else? Yeah, so so for our DAO, we're still using DAO stack. Um, we have a, a, a mainnet DAO where we accept all our payments at, and then we you know funnel funds into the XDAI DAO, which is where we do all the distributions. Because uh, yeah, like you know, um, on mainnet the DAO is very very expensive, and we probably are going to move off of it to something else as as uh, as soon as it becomes pertinent. Um, Brilliant. And then, like for the XDAI DAO, like yeah, we we do a bunch of proposals there to pay each other. So, are are uh, builders expected to put in their own proposals for their work that they're doing? Yeah. So that was kind of the part I was talking about earlier, where you don't necessarily have to worry about that because a lot of projects have a, a facilitator on board. So that's budgeting and yeah. doing the HR kind of yeah more or less yeah right. That's cool. That's cool. I love that. Yeah. That's. Um, I'm sure is exciting for people with like specific skill sets that hate invoicing, right. you know, yep. which is a lot of engineers and designers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, like that's cool. All, all the, the manual um, uh, financial things are taken care of for you. And then also like we are fully, uh, fully tax compliant. Like we have an entity that the DAO controls in the U S and we register tax forms for all the um, all the contractors, which every member of the DAO is a contractor. So we issue 1099s or whatever the other form is. Um, in W-2s. Yeah, the, the, the people that aren't in the U.S., the, the independent contractor oh, form. Right, yeah. So, yeah, like all, all that stuff gets handled for you. So you can come, you can build, and yeah, hopefully everything gets handled for you. That is cool. Totally. So I think too that there's like quite a spectrum of DAOs in this in the space, and you know, um, on one hand you have like democratic uh, grant giving clubs like Moloch, and then you I think what you guys are doing is kind of like a service provider DAO. some yeah service provider DAO, and then you have 
one hive which is like a weird like token ecosystem that became a development community kind of yeah that, like I, started i i, I feel finding like, conviction voting systems yeah, yeah yeah like i feel like i would um put them in like the product development though agreed yeah. but but they, but it's different than like a, a uniswap for instance right because uniswap's token economy is also governed in in some sense by their snapshot voting and things and forums and um and you know i i also think that on the far end of the of that like spectrum is going to be bitcoin and ethereum where tokenized governance and and decentralized coordination is happening in a way that is nearly without a framework but the main binding factor is just a, a liquid token that people are holding and, and now they're incentivized to kind of participate in the system together yeah um so I, I guess I'm curious um to kind of follow along that. I think I understand what Dorg is as an organization. How are you framing the API three DAO? Um or the, the and I'm also curious quick quick or, quick yeah. quick correction because it's three API. Yeah, it's it's yeah. <laughs> confused because it is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is yeah. confusing. So um, the web three API DAO, yeah. Right. Well, and also, and I'm also curious because you also were involved. You all, or I don't know if you were specifically, but Dorg was involved with BadgerDAO as well. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm. I would love your interpretation of the way that those are being designed um, at inception, because I think that the the concept of a DAO really has been most. I mean, the autonomous part has been most successfully implemented by it by Bitcoin and Ethereum. By I mean, proof of work is like the simplest incentive structure i think that that really incentivizes coordination right. and all of these other systems require uh require additional steps for humans to for humans to put in you know this is to input um value or or their opinions etc and so that autonomy part becomes then dependent on a number of humans um and their actual like input and so um i think the inception of these systems traditionally is about like progressive decentralization but i also th see that there's there's more than just a progressive decentralization stance for actually launching and deploying these in a successful way and i think one hive um is a perfect example of a token economy that wasn't progressively decentralized yeah. it was decentralized from the start yeah it was just like a big um, flip that, that they switched and then like anyone was able to you know get their honey and then yeah, like their their community has really flourished. It's crazy. Like I, speaking a bit about them because I, I I don't watch it very closely, so I'm I'm only speaking as a very like outside bystander. But it's it was really funny the other day. Like I went into their or I I saw on their Discord like somebody was just like streaming, uh, playing a game or something. So it's like it's it's become even more of like a, a social club, like as part of like this like product development Web three club, and it's it's just really cool to see that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And establishing that community is like, I mean, that's the goal for any of these projects, I think, in a lot of ways. I mean, if you're going to be able to, if you can establish a community like that, that's the like, that's an indicator of success for sure. Right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. how, how are we doing that for the Web3 API DAO? And so, so, all right, for, uh, first off um, with Dorg, like it was very much a progressive decentralization approach. Um, because yeah, like we were a service provider organization. We knew that, um, we wanted to maintain like high quality and, and we wanted to be able to make decisions quickly. So we decided to just slowly kind of decentralize over time. And how we decided to do that was we, you know, gave people one point of voting power for every dollar they earned. 
And so naturally, the people that have been working there the longest, they're going to have more voting power. But if they go offline, somebody else who's been working there consistently, they could uh, easily surpass them. And so that was kind of how we decided to do this, like um, this slow gradient of distribution of power. Um, and I, I remember when it started, like, I think I had like 33% and now I have like 12% or something, which is really exciting to see. Um, and so that's how we're progressively decentralizing DORG. And then for the Web3 API project, we're doing something similar, but uh, potentially turning it a little, you know, like ramping up that, that switch a little bit. So basically um, with Web3 API, it is a product DAO. Um, we are building a developer tool chain and then also a, a product that lives on top of it, which is a, uh, an API aggregator. Um, so you can visit a website and be able to use any protocol, um, you know, uh, not just read data, but also write to the protocol. So on the Web3 Hub, you could, you know, search for multisig, and then you could find four different options and then click on one and then say, all right, um, deploy multisig, um, you know, set owners, uh, like, you know, all, all, all of those kind of easy functions. Um, so like a, a lot easier than Etherscan, right? Like not, not just contracts, but like everything around the contracts. Um, and so, yeah, for, for this DAO, like how we wanted to do it was we wanted shareholdership to be very based on the experts that are building it um, so that that way they could properly steward the product. And in the future, when it does actually become public, because it's still in very like pre-alpha stages and it's not live or anything, um, in the future, when it does become live and it has a body of users, then we, we will also distribute governance to them as well. But, you know, um, from the outright, it's just like the main core builders of the team, um, which, you know, turns out to be like uh, 15 plus people. And so when we launched the DAO, um, and um, all this is public, by the way, so like if you go to, you know, the Web3 API uh, uh, GitHub, um, you can find the DAO repo where we document all this. Um, there's a spreadsheet there that, that you'll find, which is called the, the pre-seed builder spreadsheet. And so this is where we basically distributed the initial tokens to the initial builders who had been working on it before the DAO was live. And so we, we basically tallied up everyone's contributions, um, kind of like uh, gave them a multiplier based on impact. So it's like if our lawyer spent five hours on something, we wanted to give him like an extra multiplier because it was super uh, helpful. Um, and so we distributed all of those initial tokens, which was, it was like 2,000 out of the total supply of 20,000, I think, um, to the pre-seed builders. Um, and then we, 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 did a, uh, we did a fundraiser, um, which we posted about on our blog if you want to read more about that. And we, you know, just strictly sold governance rights. And so we distributed another 20% to them. So kind of off the bat, it was like 50% builders who had been working on it before. So like you could think of that as like founders. There was like about, I think, 15 of those. Um, and then there were the, uh, the, the funders who were interested in putting in uh, uh, capital to be able to help um, this project actually manifest. And then that, that final 60% of the, of the pie we're distributing out over the course of this next year. Um, so like from October, 2020, which is when the DAO was launched until December 31st, uh, 2021, um, we're distributing the rest of that 60%. Um, and it's getting distributed to uh, builders. And then also I think that we're putting half of it in the DAO's treasury, because that was something that was also voted on. So, you know, like we're, we're, we're saving a portion of it for, for future uses. And then we're also dishing out a bunch to the builders that are building on it. 
Um, and so the end effect this is having is that like the shareholdership of the DAO started off as founders mixed with funders, and then it, it is now progressively uh, be it is now progressively becoming more and more builders um, that are uh, con contributing to actually building this thing, and you know like we're like the the DAO is not just being built by Dorg like um, uh, the the founders weren't even just made up of Dorg folks the, there were also other folks in there um, that that weren't even members and so um, we're we currently have like three different dev shops working on the project we have i think like two or three individual contributors um in total i think we have like 15 or 16 active people working on it um that are getting paid every month and um all of those you know uh, governance tokens are getting divvied out to those people um and so in total like with everybody combined like i think that you know by the time we hit the end of the year like we should easily be like over i think maybe like 100 token holders let's say um that are all like very uh in uh, very intimately involved with the uh with the project um and know about what it's doing and know about its initiatives and can help steward it into the future um and so yeah like uh it, it's still totally up in the air of what the plans are after that but um you know like we will uh de definitely post about it as soon as we make it solidified so yeah i love that i think that's that's really um exciting are those and the tokens are are they a liquid for a period of time whenever they're first distributed yeah that, that's a great question so they're all non-transferable so th there's no opportunity to set up you know secondary markets and for it to just dump or whatever um it's strictly governance rights you know like uh, no expectations of future revenues right now um strictly governance and that's then, amazing yeah so um, and yeah, like the, the token holder community can choose to, you know, change that in the future potentially if they want to. Mm -hmm. So that means that, hmm, I, uh, right, right. So, so for now it's, it's just governance and you're just focused on building. Once the protocol is built out, then people will be able to vote and determine how they want those governance rights to be able to be either continue to be kept within the system or transferred or, or what are you doing with the reserve, et cetera. That's really, really interesting. So is it just a modified ERC-20 contract that you're using for the governance token currently? Yeah, so it's um, it's uh, you know, a standard Aragon DAO, um, nothing custom. Okay, yeah. Um, and we, uh, yeah, it's it's just oh, a yeah, non-transferable Aragon token. It's built in. Yeah, the Aragon. Yeah, Aragon. That that makes sense. And and um, and then how active is the governance currently? It's probably uh, is it is it sort of paused until um, things really start moving, or are people are there a lot of proposals already going through? So it's definitely moving. Like it's it's moving faster than cool. I can keep up with it, which which is really cool. Um, That's great. But yeah, and and as far as like the voter participation goes, like. The mainnet proposals to get people paid from the mainnet DAO—it's um, really just like one person has to vote it to get it over that ten percent threshold, and then we we just wait the seven days j just to save the gas costs. Um, yeah. And then if you look at our snapshot, like that's where we do all of our uh, con consensus around our our spending proposals. So, um, like there's there's definitely participation there, um, and yeah, like. Like I said, like all of these spending proposals, you can view them, um, you know, on Snapshot, and then also inside of our DAO repo, we, we have all the documents there. Um, and uh, yeah, like 
a typical proposal would be like we're we're working with this really great dev shop called Node Factory. Uh, a big shout out to Node Factory, like they've been super helpful in um, developing the the core of the toolchain. Very very bright folks. Um, you know, uh, their proposal may be for two months, and they'd say, "Hey, for two months, we're expecting to spend this many hours." Um, in inside the DAO repo, we have kind of like a suggested pay rate. Um, and, and you can split it between the the USD that's in the the DAO and then also the the DAO token. Um, and so they basically pick their pay rate, they say their hours, um, and then they also say you know like what what they're going to be doing. Uh, if the DAO passes that, you know they can work in confidence that that they'll get paid at the end of the month when they submit their their submission proposal. Um, and yeah, like that's, that's pretty much it. They, they work and then get paid at the end of the month or whatever other cadence they choose to do it at. Um, but yeah, we've, we've typically been doing every month's payments. Um, that's cool, man. That's really, that's really, really, um, I mean, it's just, I love it. I think that's really cool. So, and, and so they're actually, the DAO is literally managing the funds that the investors put into the DAO in the first place, which most projects that's probably not the case. It'd be a little bit more traditional where um, the funds would be managed by whatever bank account the C-Corp or LLC is going to be representing the company, right? Um, right, yeah. All, all of the funders that put in funds to the DAO, like they did it in exchange for these governance tokens. So they have to say whether, you know, like we spent this money or not. So so, so they can also right. vote on these things, yeah. That's that's awesome, and so yeah, you guys are like really like truly fully decentralized from the start, which I think, uh, well, or I guess not in the same way that One Hive is, right. but at least from a uh, a fund management perspective, mm-hmm. right. right? Completely transparent, and um, you know you have all the stakeholders at the table who can put their in, their input if they need or feel you know feel obligated to. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's really really great. And I don't know. Do you um, uh, do you have a stop at the hour too? I'm curious. Um, let me see. Sorry, I don't think so. Because I know we're okay. Um, no, I'm good. It, what other DAOs were or have you been involved in? Like, I, I mean, I know Badger DAO was a project by Dorg. Were you involved in that? Or? Uh, very, very little. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I'd love to talk about that one for a bit because that was kind of a paradigm shift for us. So. Um, First off, BadgerDAO is an awesome project. It's completely exploded. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah. It's crazy. They they contacted Dior initially to help with their contracts and with their app development. And so the, there was a team that formed around that, which I was not a part of, um, but some really great people were. And uh, with that, you know, they, they built in silence for a while. Um, you know, like the, the BadgerDAO Twitter was, was trying to ramp up its, like, uh, ecosystem building efforts. And then it all kind of culminated to this really, really great launch. Um, and one of the cool things that happened with that was that like, just speaking from my perspective as just like a Dorg member that wasn't involved, um, I quickly felt like I was involved because what they did was they did an airdrop of tokens, as you probably know, to lots of different DAOs in the ecosystem. And so with Dorg, they did an airdrop of tokens to, to all Dorg uh, 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 rep holders. And, um, you know, like, we, you know, quickly got a message in chat, like, and a lot of us were watching for this anyway, but got a message in chat saying, hey, go, go claim your airdrop. Uh, Badger just launched. A lot of people were like, what is Badger? You know, I haven't heard of this thing. I, I wasn't staying in tuned. They got their tokens, and then they quickly felt the need to be involved. because like, oh, this is really cool. It's really doing something. 
Um, the Badger token has really taken off, which is awesome. So like people that held, like good on you. Um, and uh, from like the cool thing that happened from that was not only just like as a passive rep holder of Dior, like I got a share in this like uh, this dividend of doing cool work, but um, also you know like through granting all of these different builders these tokens, they're automatically incentivized to go and see what your project is and to think of new things to build for it. And so since that that airdrop, um, uh, uh, new teams at Dior have spun up to work on different proposals for the Badger DAO. Um, and so yeah, like they they got initial builders to help build their project. They sweetened the deal for all the other builders in the collective, and then from that, you know, they they got more and more development time that that got spent on their project. Yeah, that's super interesting. So they they were um, that is more of a sort of decentralized from the start, like slightly Definitely. at least. I don't actually know their token distribution metrics though. But yeah, like I'm, I'm sure, you know, like there, there were definitely allocations for the founders and people that were working on it initially, but um, it is definitely a lot more decentralized than we see in, you know, like the traditional world. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's super cool. Right on. Uh, were there any other DAO projects that you have been involved with at the org? Uh, I'm sure maybe, maybe a few, but I, yeah, maybe not. Like I don't know. None. None that I really want to talk about too explicitly. Like um, that's fine. But there has been lots of other teams that that have been, um, and we we like the the reason why I said a paradigm shift was because a, after that happened, like we basically kind of like kind of you know blinked our eyes twice and we're like, what are we doing? You know, like we're doing all these projects that are stressing us out for all of these you know like very centralized startups, and a lot of the times it's super stressful because they have VCs uh, breathing down their neck, and mean like. Meanwhile, we have these DAO projects that, you know, like we've always been involved with a little bit like here and there, um, but like they're really taking off now. And it's all these communities that like we love working for communities. We would much rather work for a community than, you know, a, a founder. And so um, we decided that we really want to focus on that, like going forward, you know, like let's um, let's stop accepting, you know, these, these centralized startups and let's start just working with these crypto communities. And so I think that right now all of our active projects are pretty much that. So um, I may be missing one or two here and there, but yeah. That's awesome. That's really exciting. I think um, that also rings true for me. I think that's like in part the thing that's really exciting about this ecosystem. I have I have had it um, described the relationship between investors and founders or builders. I've had it described as being a mortal uh, contradiction, or like those two players in any relationship are going to be default against each other. But um, I personally don't think that necessarily has to be the case Agreed. where you do see it in a lot of these VC backed companies and, and depending on your investor base and what their expectations are and their requirements or priorities for the investment, that's really where the conflict comes in. Yeah. And I, I think a big um, part of it too, is that, um, you know, for traditional and I, I'm by no means an expert, so I'm talking off of the little information I have, but in traditional raises, you know, like these VCs all have term sheets and these term sheets can be, pretty vague. And so, you know, like if the VC is involved or not, might not matter at the end of the day, like they'll still get their, you know, cut of the equity if you hit certain milestones for doing great work. And so I think that that, like a lot of those, like kind of really perverse incentives and um, perverse uh, arrangements are a big reason for falling out b between founders and VCs. 
And I think that in the world of DAOs, like we're able to change that quite a bit where we write the playbook based on the code. Um, you know, like you can make it so that there's no arbitrary term sheets that are used for arrays. Um, and like, for instance, what we did with Web3 API DAO, where all the funders were just purchasing, uh, purchasing governance rights. So they're very staked in and they're very interested in, in making sure that the group is aligned, like making sure that we have our correct priorities set and making sure that we're not just looking for some like shitty exit scheme because they want the longevity in this token ecosystem. Because, uh, yeah, like that's all they have right now. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. One one last question right before we get off. Um, I'm just curious, what? how do you define a DAO? What is a DAO? Um, and I know there's like a lot yeah. of versions, but yeah, I'm just curious in your words. A DAO is uh, an internet native community that can govern its own funds and various other resources through the internet computer that is the blockchain. Um, and so, yeah, like it, it, basically like um, imagine a Facebook group where you could, uh, you know, co-manage a bank account and you could also vote on things and you could add a little custom extension to like maybe schedule meetings together as a group or, you know, do something else as a group or uh, take out insurance as a group or something like that. So, yeah. That's great. I love that. Epic. Jordan, thanks for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. I know you have, you know, thousands of things to do. So I, um, I always appreciate your perspective and, and uh, I'm, I'm glad we had a chance to, to take some time to chat about these, these cool things that are happening right now. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks to you. And also like a uh, big shout out to you for being so welcoming. Cause like, I remember when I first met you, you literally just hit me up in DMs and it's like, Hey, I heard you might be doing something cool. Let's have a call. And um, basically like ever since then, you've always been like a really welcoming person to talk to. So I really appreciate like your presence in the community. I think you're doing awesome things. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate you, man. All right. Right on. If you want to explore more and deepen your understanding of cryptocurrency concepts and mechanisms available today, please visit our Gitbook or Crypto Encyclopedia. You can find it on our website at squareone.tech. Thanks for listening. Square One would not be possible without support from the Bloom Community Grants Program. Bloom is sponsoring research and development grants to the crypto community to collaborate on some exciting new initiatives to benefit the crypto ecosystem. If you have an idea for something to explore in token economics, unsecured DeFi lending, or token utility, reach out to grants at bloom.co.